when it comes to mental health, you know, just accepting the circumstances, right? Like, I recognize that historically, when I am out in public and it's loud, I'm, I'm jump right up to the top of my window. And I know what happens. My heart starts racing. My, I start grinding my teeth. I start looking around, right? Just knowing what those responses are based on the experiencing that you're going. Or, you know, perhaps on the hypoarousal. You know, I, I, you know, I, I need to, you know, remove myself from a situation. I, I isolate a little bit more. I, I have feelings of sadness, right? Um, this stress recovery that can happen from having this awareness um, can come from, again, from nature-informed therapy and also just this um, self-advocacy of uh, having the language to be able to say and to witness through mindfulness, this is what's happening to me. Right? And, and I think that's really important as far as preventative medicine um, is recognizing that, that even having this awareness can help reduce blood pressure, stress hormones, um, can, can boost endorphins, right? And all of that has been researched with, with nature-informed therapy is that, you know, that supports us getting to know ourselves how can we use the wisdom of nature, not only for general wellness, but also if we have mental health issues and mental health imbalances per, per se? Today's guest is Tanya Lanning, who's an integrative wellness therapist and holistic psychotherapist. Her integrative approach to counseling combines numerous holistic therapies, including nature-informed therapy, mindfulness meditation, psychodrama and experiential therapy, yoga, and wellness consultation. Really a beautiful practice and an amazing practitioner. It was so fun to chat with her about her, her therapy approach and specifically with nature-informed therapy. Just in case you don't know, my name is Dr. Andrew Wong, co-founder of Capital Integrative Health right here in Bethesda, Maryland. We are opening up a second physical location in Potomac and by the time you ha will have heard this podcast, we will have been open at that point. So we'd love to have you in either location there in person. We're also doing a bunch online and this includes community service for those who are not part of Capital Integrative Health, as well as those who are. This is the podcast that you're listening to right now. It's dedicated to transforming the consciousness around what it means to be healthy and understanding the root causes of both disease and wellness. And part of that is transforming the consciousness around what it means to be out in nature. So it's not just about looking at the trees and seeing how nice they are, but it's also about nature can be a healer. It can be a primary healer for us and it can really move the needle on our health and wellness. So that's what this conversation with Tanya is about, how nature can be integrated into therapy for incredible results and what you can do at home to incorporate nature for your wellness, whether or not you're seeing a therapist or not. Welcome, Tanya. Great to have you here. Great to see you again. Thank you. It's really great to see you, too. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we're going to talk a lot today about, I think, a deep dive into, into mental and emotional health. But let's kind of start with um, your story and how you got into wellness counseling and holistic psychotherapy and all your you know healing journey in this um, integrative space that you're in. Absolutely. Oh, it's been a lovely journey, actually. It's been... Uh, you know, I, I come from a, a family that's been, um, has a lot of mental health issues. My oldest brother has schizophrenia. And um, so when I was growing up, for me, it was being a sibling of someone who I didn't understand what was happening. And so the journey began in trying to be a very present uh, family member. And, and also, you know, just recognizing that within each of us, we have um, needs, <laughs> mental yes. health needs, physical, spiritual needs. And then that, that brought me to um, really wanting to look into psychology and, um, and, you know, body work more than anything. My, my father is actually a, a surgeon. And so the idea nice. was, oh yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a physician, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that in family systems. And, 
Um, and I wanted to, you know, from a self-advocacy um, perspective, which I had from a very early age, I'd like to shout out to my mom for, <laughs> for supporting <laughs> me and being who I am. But um, I wanted to do that my way. And so I, I went to massage school and I, I started there and I started really exploring what it meant to, to find these emotional spaces through the body. And the deeper I went into that process, um, the more I started recognizing that the, you can't separate the mind-body from, from the process, from the, exper the experiential um, aspects of it. And so I knew that my next step was to go and, and um, search where my mental health um, world role was going to be in. So I went to Hopkins, and I, I did the... Uh, mental health counseling um, route. And in the meantime, I started working with cancer care and I started doing mindfulness and uh, body work in uh, suburban locally. And it, it was just such a, a beautiful dance of being able to, to um, not only be part of the, the healing journey of the mostly women, because it was a lot of breast cancer care and um, uh, women's um, care, but also to to feel really present to to, to witnessing how how touch, breath, mindfulness uh, has a, a deep impact in the in the quality of life of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, that's the start of it. <laughs> yes, and continuing. So so now um, you you do work with. It sounds like this this mind body, you know. I, I often used to say connection, but it's mm -hmm. it's really unity, mm -hmm. you know, together. But um, what are the most common types of people that you, that you work with? So I have <laughs> I have a, a tendency to when <laughs> when I'm asked this question, right? Um, Anyone, anyone can can open up. Um, since I've, you know, l you know, the the aspect of nature informed therapy is is something that has always been braided into the work that I've been doing. Um, recognizing, you know, using it thematically or using it as a resource. Um, so lately, um, a lot of a lot of um, women or women presenting um, humans coming to me and and. Um, and we're doing a lot of work on on anxiety management, um, depression, um, either you know recognizing role changes. So mothers, a lot of mothers, um, and and through that, I mean, there's a plethora of <laughs> of um, ailments and and. Um, and needs that that show up there. You know, my, my practice. One of the most important things for me is uh, is being able to have a space where people can show up as they are, and then yeah. be able to create their own practice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so um, I created actually. It's called the Ease Wellness Model, and it allows people to honor their authenticity of of healing. Um, it, uh, it places the power back into into where where the healing needs to happen, which is from within, and um, having a really strong resource support. Absolutely, so the ease wellness model. Mm -hmm. um, I love how you said that, you know, essentially there's this innate healer mm -hmm. inside of us that can get activated, and I think that's so empowering for, for you know, for everyone. Absolutely. Um, can you go into the ease wellness model a little bit more maybe? Absolutely. We could start with that. So it's the E-A-S-E, -E, the E's wellness model. And the, the E, the first E is um, embrace your authenticity. So honoring the, the authenticity of healing, our truths, um, really leaning into our individuality as a source and a resource for healing and strength-based, um, you know, strength-based uh, deepening I'd like to call it almost right like there's this reinforcement and 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 not always thinking we need to seek outward 
So I start there. Um, and then the A is accepting your circumstances. I like to call that like the, the meat of the, <laughs> of the model because accepting your circumstances is, that's a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. depending on what, what the circumstances are, there's a lot of space for, um, for more of the, like, the clinical work of the mental health world, right? The, um, the attachment styles, the role theories, all that kind of goes into that space, but also um, what it looks like to be able to turn towards what is happening in your life and have a better understanding of what it is um, and be able to just, just sit with that. And then um, the S is source your resources. I, I mean, if anything, I believe mostly in being able to know what those resources are. And if you are lacking and you need, if there's a need that's missing, to find a resource, just at least one resource. It doesn't have to be just a person. <laughs> it doesn't, I mean, nature has been a very significant resource for a lot of people during the pandemic, right? And, yeah. um, and, accentuating um, the resources that exist already in your life is a strength-based uh, approach that I, I believe in for, and that I see. Not, it's, not, it's not just, I keep saying I believe in, but it's not just what I believe in, it's what I see being being utilized in a way that is very beneficial to the people who, who are asking for it, right? And um, so the resources are internal as well as external. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last part is the um, envision your wellness with gentleness, gratitude, and ease. And this is, the, um, this is the creation of what the wellness plan will look like. The secondary part is the ease up, the you utilize the planning, and then the practice. And, um, and that part is more what I like to think of, more of like a coaching aspect of it because you're – you're going from the clinical to the coaching to like the the action based um yeah. and so at that point it's you know the whole entire process has been the client has been client based yeah um been created by client um, i help them i either give them some type of printout at the end of the year we review it um mid-year and then they can make their adjustments they look at the first e for instance and they're like that's a truth that I said. And I'm like, is it still your truth? Shall we like explore why that makes you feel like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some curiosity and honoring that curiosity, right? On your, honoring that with, um, with a sense of, uh, of awe and resiliency, right? So, yeah. Thank you. It's so validating to the, this ease up model. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, just the uh, the first two, especially like embrace and accepting, and it kind of brings to mind as I hear this, kind of like how the heart chakra mm. is opening and accepting to you know what is, because mm-hmm. that like I think you you said that's kind of like some of the first steps to Absolutely. to you know healing is, is acceptance and it's like seeing what's really going on and it's having an open open mind open heart you know kind of thing I love it and then and we're also bringing you know the chakras into into the possibility as a resource right mm-hmm. so yeah. you know being able to to notice that and thank you for for bringing that in allows the client then to say oh there's this whole another world that maybe that maybe that language is something that feels well, that resonates with my being, mm-hmm. right? Maybe the clinical words <laughs> and the diagnoses, right, which, which I tend to, to, you know, respect and honor, but maybe that's too harsh for where I am at this moment right now. Maybe I need to, to go into a space where I recognize the importance of the body, where, I, where I'm honoring that strength. So absolutely, yeah, the opening up. How long does it take uh, a client to, you know, working with you to kind of develop this ease up model? Maybe it depends on each client before you start working on, you know, the utilization and the practice part of it. Yeah, I mean, you hit (laughs) exactly what you just said. It depends. It depends. Um, Some people take on to it like really quickly, right? Some people like the container of, you know, tell me, you know, give me some cognitive behavioral activities right now so that I can go home and do my homework and 
and that's fine. I have some of that too. I I, I love homework. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't always call it homework, but I you know I I strongly encourage you know with different activities. <laughs> um, so it does depend. Um, I you know the quantifying it is a little bit tricky. Um, it takes I think it takes away from the self advocacy part of it. Yeah. Um, I. If, if there's acute anxiety or acute depression that, that somebody is coming in with, um, the first place I'm going to go to is actually to the S, the resource. I'm going to make sure that they're well-resourced. I want to know that, you know, that, that they have community, family. If, if there's a space that they're lacking, that's one of the places that I want to make sure that in a container-creating kind of um, space that they're, they're feeling held and seen and safe. Yeah. Um, checking in with their language, right? So it depends. It you know, I I have um, I have people that I've been seeing for five years, and I I'm, I see them once a month, and we do check-ins, and we're more now into the uh, coaching aspect of it, right? And they're they're like enjoying the like this is what you know the check-ins. This is what I'm doing. This is how I'm feeling, and um, and we have a little bit more. I mean, I, I'm about to say fun with counseling, yes. I, and we have a little more fun with it, maybe, Great. right? Why like, not? <laughs> Why not? Life, life is too short yes, to be. Yes, for sure. And, know, if, and then, like, talk about what it does possible. physiologically, right? Yes. Like, bringing fun into, into the process of self-care, it's okay. Yeah. Like, no, one, no one's told us that it's not okay to... <laughs> so you're saying self-care doesn't have to be drudgery? No. Great. Yeah. That's... That's a whole mind-blowing I feel like your center is like that, too, from the second you walk in, to yeah. be honest with you. Oh, I, you. So I, I, you. I, I've noticed that, that the, the people, you can, and you can feel it. That's, that's the energy, again, the container creating. When you yeah. walk into a space that believes in, in the power of laughter and, um, and softness, um, that allows for the safety of the body to sink in and then that's where healing happens because if we're tight and we're closed right even from a bodywork perspective if you go into to a session and you get i just want deep tissue and the person just digs in then you forget all those layers the fascia right yeah the fascia's oh my goodness so so much delicious information there if you dig right through to it then you know the the information that you miss out on um is possibly that of you know i need I, I take a little bit longer to, to warm up into a place. Right? Yes. Let's so. talk about that as a little side tangent because that's very common on this podcast. But <laughs> um, in body work, what I've noticed is, you know, if I treat someone, say, with, with acupuncture needles, mm -hmm. not only with the patient breathing mm -hmm. and, you know, having some intentionality behind it, but if I'm more intentional and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of centered. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of takes two to, to ideally make that space, you know, very healing that interaction. Absolutely. So, um, what you had said there about, um, the fascia being tight, it just kind of brought me to the space of, it's about kind of getting back into the body in a way. Cause a lot of times we do, you know, we're going to talk about trees in a minute, but <laughs> it's like, if we have a tree and we think that we're going to have some healing there, but the tree's uprooted, mm -hmm. right? And in, in a way, a lot of our um, kind of um, superficial daily interactions, I think, tend to be maybe uprooted and not not grounded in, mm -hmm. in the in the body Absolutely. and the spirit and, and you know mind altogether. But um, I think, yeah, th this model is is really great for uh, people that are you know, I think struggling with, you know, the traditional medical model, I would even say of, you know, diagnoses and, you know, you need to be put on a medication and things like that. Sure. Not that it replaces that, but it's, it's important to, to know that, you know, if someone's listening out there that, you know, they have the, they have the ability to work on their healing, you know, themselves and, and with a trusted professional like yourself. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, I, I want to reiterate, you know, medication has its place. You know, I do, I, yes. particularly with, with mental health, um, the preventative aspect of it, I think, is always overlooked from a mental health perspective. Mm. That once, once we're deep in it and, and we have been diagnosed, we get slapped with this, like, diagnosis. And then, you know, whether it's a textbook that's being followed or what, you know, we, we begin to externalize those resources. And, and I just wish like there could be a great pause. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? yes. Where we could just come in and be like, 
Okay, yes, you now have this diagnosis. Yes. Can we take a step back to the space where you do love going for walks? You, you already have a yoga practice. Yeah. Can we bring that back into the present? And can we like give them a, a larger role? So th- this idea of role um, theory and being able to almost like <laughs> this role has been advanced to <laughs> president self-care, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, creator, and and looking at these roles that um, that have been there perhaps all along, yeah. whether it's culturally. I mean, there's so many beautiful. I know, like for me. One of the reasons before we get into trees, which, you know, I'm very excited about, but one of the reasons that my my work involves tree, you know, tree ally practices is because I grew up with a mother who who would say, you know, just stop and listen to the wind in the trees. So beautiful. And, of course, you know, teenager, eye roll, insert, you know, whatever <laughs> hair flicking I probably did at the moment. But I listened, and it registered, and I carried it through me. And I, and I feel very fortunate that that is actually something that I feel innate. I've, I've felt that since, since I was born, this connection to nature, right? Yeah. And this removal from that, um, from a, a more typical medical model, um, isn't highlighted enough. You know, right. the, the freedom to move around, the freedom to be curious about our own experiencing. Yes, um, yes. And what if, what, if, what if doctors did that more? Were they like, so what do you, what do you like to do on the weekends? Yeah. Dance? Yes, <laughs> Breathe? Yes, yes. <laughs> Hang out? Okay, let's do more of that. Makes and sense. began to like actually prescribe that? Yes. What would happen, I wonder? <laughs> I remember seeing a patient uh, with, chronic fatigue and she wasn't able to do the things that she liked um, but after asking her what she liked to do and she liked to garden so that was the prescription mm. was to go outside you know and do more of what she likes that brings her joy which which was gardening so Absolutely. these type of things actually we've seen here anyway uh, we've just seen people get better from mm-hmm focusing on the aspects of wellness that, like you said, they already have inside or they already know, like these resources, you know, to go back to, um, to their source, whether mm-hmm. it's nature, whether it's body work, you know, something that they can do themselves even. Right, absolutely. Um, and not to mention the microbial, you know, support of that dirt. Right? Yes, And yes. the research that's being done that's showing that that can actually help with depression. Yes, the psychobiotics. The psychobiotics of it, right? Exactly. So, yeah. Well, let's get into the secret life of trees now. (laughs) And um, let's talk about nature. (laughs) Yes, let's talk about nature-based mental health therapies. Um, Even those words juxtaposition together, Mm -hmm. uh, they they seem like an oxymoron. But yeah, let's talk about the relationship between nature and, and mental health and how you weave that in so beautifully uh, in your practice, but why were you first drawn to this type of therapy? I think you kind of mentioned about your your mother saying about, you know, listen to the wind, and um, yeah, so tell us about all about trees and, you know, the, the best way to hug trees and be in nature, yes. I can, I can already, like, foresee my, like, childhood friends, you know, <laughs> smiling from the other side because, you know, I, I really, you know, I was totally a tree hugger growing up you know i i wore the tie-dye shirts with like you know the <laughs> you know that shirt i yeah. see you you probably did too Andrew. oh yeah so yeah. i i just um again you know my my family is from argentina i had mentioned that and when i grew up i had i was like in the in between world a lot so i would go i would spend time in argentina and i would be the you know the, the cousin or the American girl coming. And, and then when I would come back here, I had all these cultural spaces that I, um, I just always felt an in-between space. Sure. And, you know, when I was younger, I, I struggled with depressive symptomology. And the only place that I ever felt safe and heard and, yes, I had friends in my trees and I named them, um, but they were there. They were constantly there. I, I would 
speak with them. I would I would be held by them, and and the, that sense of safety has has held me and carried me through through my adult years. Um, there's nowhere that I feel safer than in the forest. So great. Yeah. Yeah, and and the forest has its own language. It sounds like yeah. Absolutely. If you if you are able to listen to that. Absolutely. I mean, there's. There's a lot of you know scientific evidence of, of, of the quote unquote um, language of trees, right? They mm-hmm. communicate through you know underneath the ground from a mycelium, you know, yes. uh, energetic, and um, they also excrete pheromones to protect each other, and they hold each other, and they're in, in community. There's so many um, themes that from a mental health space, right? You can already begin to see that these are these are really beautiful um, themes that that really just you know feel good to know that an interbeing connection can occur, and that these themes can show up from from just being present. So then it's it, it is from a mindfulness perspective. You begin to create a mindfulness practice around noticing, around. Um, just you know, sitting and and uh, and creating a sensory experience um, through gratitude. You know, one of one of the um, and I, I have plenty, but one of the one of the requests at the beginning of um, taking a client out for session is that um, and it's it's always met with a positive, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, especially if they don't have it um, that deep of a relationship yet. Right. Um, or they don't know about their deep relationship, right, I right. should say, <laughs> right, <laughs> because because right. it's within all of us yeah. um, is before we enter a space, uh, a woodland space, is that we take a moment, we observe and we ask permission to, to enter that space. Uh, this this uh, this energy allows us also to to recognize that there are beings that we're about to start co-creating with. Yeah. So I really, I really look at you know nature as a co-therapist for me as some as a presence that's that's um, that's again creating a container. Um, yeah, that's so beautiful that that you ask for permission to enter the forest, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're establishing that relationship. Just like if you were having a cup of tea with a friend. Hey, do you want to meet? Absolutely. It's this kind of yeah. Um, you know, relationship and attitude. Yeah, just getting to know you. Getting to know you. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I like going to that same uh, same space with the client, so that they, you know, I have different spaces for for different clients. Okay. Um, unless I'm seeing multiple people back to back, but I, I have a tendency to to notice that in doing that you're getting, like you said, getting to know the space a little bit more. And then one of the tree ally practices is um, is walking in and just without, you know, this this is the, the mind-body um, kind of reconnect, without putting too much cognitive, I don't, you know, too much thought into it. Just move towards a tree. Doesn't matter. Just, just do it. There's no right or wrong answer here. And then we start creating and establishing this allyship. Right. And and then that's that's perhaps a tree that we work with for the day. Right. Nice. And in that practice, uh, it could you know, a multitude of things can happen. And, um, you know, I could I could probably spend the rest of the time talking about the, the tree ally practices. But but even the greeting, you know, so there's the greeting, the, the asking to enter the woodland space, but also asking to to, you know, asking permission, consent. Right. We're also mm-hmm. beginning, especially with the. Um, with younger, younger uh, clients, this consent culture, trying to establish that, you know, asking for, for your space to be, you know, valued. Um, it's also practicing their language yes. around that yes. as well. So Yes, you yeah. work with, uh, with kids. I, you know, I, I don't, I, I mostly work with adults, okay. but I, since, since, um, We've been, you know, probably in the last few months, I've had a lot of parents asking for language and support around being in nature mm-hmm. as a mindfulness tool for for their children. Yeah. So what I've been doing is actually I bring, I say, do you want to come along, parent? Nice. 
because I want, you know, maybe it's one or three sessions. So these are more short, short-term sessions that I that I um, offer. Okay. Because I I want the parent to, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they I don't, I, I would love to pass along that, those exercises. And then that becomes, a, you know, a really healing space for a parent and, and child to be able to go into nature. And maybe they're like, remember that, you know, activity? Should we try it? Right? Yes. Even if they don't do it, they're out in nature and they're walking together. Maybe they're connecting a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And the child is receiving the benefits in their nervous system whether they like it or not. <laughs> right. No, it's a powerful right? medicine. It's yeah. powerful medicine. How about touching a tree? You know, you said getting to the tree space um, mm-hmm. or, you know, interacting with the tree, interacting with the forest and the tree. What about, um, what about actually like putting your hands or arms, you know, around a tree? What does that Absolutely. do to our nervous system? And, you know, how is that beneficial? Absolutely. So, so this concept of right, trying to, to move into our body a little bit more. So we get the kinesthetic sensory receptors yes. kind of lighting up, number one. Um, that, I mean, I would say that that was one of the largest aspects of this, the most, um, most <laughs> palpable <laughs> um, is, you know, yes, walking up to the tree, noticing the root system, noticing if you want to place a hand on a trunk, right? Um, the, the, you know, different trees have different textures, um, recognizing um, what those textures are, putting, again, language development is, is a big part of this, like the the psycholinguistic component of it, um, being able to have a, uh, like a, a bio language around how we are relating with, with, um, with sensory experiencing. Um, it also allows for our system to say, I have a choice here, right? I, if I don't want to, you know, there's some, there's some, you know, individuals who have hyper-awareness or hyper, excuse me, hypersensitivity yes. to touch. Right. And maybe touching is like not their thing. Right. Right. So then we're also reinforcing that we have other senses. Right. And so the visual, right, again, this is more of a strength-based component here. So that's fine. What do you see? Like let's let's create language about how you see things, what your world looks like, right? Is it, you know, is it rough? Is it satiny? Is it um, are there crevasses? Are there cracks, right? And then that language allows us, then we take that into the real world. And we say, I have a choice here. I have a choice of how I, how, how I express and how I, how I co-create this experience when I meet this new human, right? I notice that when I meet a new person, because of my trauma history, let's just say, and this is, uh, this is just an, an example, um, because of an individual's trauma experience, perhaps they need space yeah. and they're sensory experience becomes very heightened in their visual you know processing and even in being able to create that language or that noticing we're beginning to allow the nervous system to settle into um, into our strengths instead of being taken out of our window of tolerance which is a um, is is a, a theory that I use a lot okay. by Daniel Siegel okay um, being able to recognize what that what that safe space looks like, you know, what that window is, and then noticing when perhaps we begin to move out of that window of tolerance, either up or down, because of how we're experiencing things. And when we're with the trees, we're, we can kind of, um, you know, it's not just the trees, right? It's like perhaps you see the weather's changing while you're out there. And what does that do? Like, do you become worried? What do you do when you're worried? Right? Perhaps you make the choice to begin to turn around on the trail, you know, and, and highlighting these things that might seem minute, but traversing a trail and making these decisions is, is pretty significantly, um, it's, it's a beautiful metaphor for traversing life and not knowing what's going to be around the bend. You know, what is that bird? What are these noises? Am I safe? Am I, f- like, feeling heard, right? Yes. And... Um, and do I, do I need anything in this moment and constantly doing the check-ins with the body? So yes, hugging trees. Yeah. Like if, if that's your thing, go for it. Right. Ask permission, go in place your hand around. 
the the energetic exchange that happens. So this is more into the spiritual dynamic here, and and also the the trees themselves have movement. The xylem and phloem have their own um, sort similar to cranial sacral vibrations, right? So you feel an, the, the, the resonance between the energetic movement of the tree and your system. And settling into that and, and um, through practice, it's, it's just beautiful to know that an interbeing connection can occur that way. Um, so, you know, hands on roots, sitting back to back, that's, that's a, a common one if, if you don't want to hug a tree <laughs> yeah you can place your back up to it and breathing oh my goodness breath right remembering um, one of my favorite exercises is recognizing that trees give us oxygen and in turn we give them carbon dioxide so this theme of reciprocity so wherever like you're back to back with a tree and and you just tune in to the fact that like Ah, this is oxygen that you've provided me with. Thank you. Gratitude. I shall provide you with a reciprocal exhalation. <laughs> Literally exchanging energy. Literally exchanging yeah. energy. And we should point out, too, that the carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere outside is a lot lower than, than indoors. And I think a lot of times we spend time indoors and, and look at pictures of our trees sure. on, you know, our... Windows or PC or Macs, you know, and things like that. So it's really nice, I think, to, to get outside and kind of connect back to where we as, as humans, you know, originally came from, which is, you know, nature. I mean, we are nature, but I think Absolutely. so to this nature-based therapy idea, it sounds like it's really, uh, it's so deep. I mean, when you start talking about the trees and um, all the different things that you could do with trees and, and how do you interact with trees in the forest and the weather and the birds and and even like ants and stuff you know when mm -hmm. you're like just looking i remember looking at a tree you know recently in the neighborhood and it's like oh there's like a lot of ants that are you know carrying stuff back and forth and it's thought they're yeah yeah, yeah they like follow it right are they going through the crevices are they yes. going up the tree and it's yeah. it's really fun and you wouldn't notice that if mm -hmm. you if you didn't take a breath and exchange that you know oxygen carbon dioxide with the tree and and be present absolutely uh, and and yeah. you bring you bring up the this point right that we are we are creatures of nature i mean yes. we've only been inside for let's just call it 300 years <laughs> of, of existence yeah before this we were outside that's how we survived nature we is our house na nature is our house so yeah. it's a going back to home right yes but also our ancestral need like there's a deep ancestral calling every single person has this in common there is a deep need to have some type of relationship with nature and and you know the beauty of of the nature informed therapy is that there is accessibility but there is you know i mean i i have to highlight the fact that some people do have some fear some some trepidation about being outside and that's that's okay that's part of the process and if that if that exists within you then you know i really encourage you to to you know have a little bit more um curiosity around how perhaps that can be healed um because there's there's actually research that even visually seeing a photo of nature can help reduce, you know, the, the cortisol levels. Yeah. And like, if that's, you know, whether you're bedridden, whether there's there's uh, deep anxiety that's happening that's keeping you from going outside, where can we bring nature and form therapy inside as well? That's that's very much a part of the, the process. If that needs to happen, particularly with, um, when I was working more with cancer care, you know, there's some individuals who are inside for their immuno, you know, needs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether that's bringing a plant in or opening the, the window a little bit more, at least 20 minutes so that they can get the sensory experiencing. It's not just, you know, going outside and hiking. So if they can't physically go out and hike or something, they could at least look at their plant or Absolutely. connect in, in a, even the way they can. Photos. Even, even yeah. photography, yeah. you know. Um, so so there's... there's um, there's access for everyone, um, depending on what your situation is, and and how beautiful to to recognize that that's a resource for anyone and everyone, even in, in urban settings, right? 
there's there are gardens, there are parks, you know, yes. there are spaces. And if there aren't, and and you feel um, like this this is something that you're interested in, then how can you make that happen? Can you find um, resources to be able to create more nature in your life? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, that's a source, uh, a, a rather a resource that that we all have or we all could have is is nature. Um, and then and then how how people interact with nature basically like like you said you know we're part of nature and i'm um, just kind of remembering that um so you know this is kind of a, a general question but um you know you said nature kind of impacts our nervous system by decreasing cortisol it, it kind of provides a sense of safety it probably stimulates the vagus nerve a bit yeah right all of that we love the vagus nerve we don't love we? the vagus nerve yes <laughs> we do we do we could do some uh, chanting right now too mm. we could chant outside with tree right i mean <laughs> absolutely i've done it why not um so this is a good question for for you as a licensed massage therapist and mm -hmm. as a psychotherapist how does our nervous system you know, impact our, our mental health and our physical health. I mean, that's, you know, because everyone's like, oh, nervous system, of course, I know what that is. But right. Intellectually. Right. So, I mean, we're looking in, in this case, we're looking a little bit more at like the what I had spoken to a little bit before, which is the window of tolerance. I'd like to use this as a as an I, I love a good diagram. I love a good visual, like especially for clients who are like very wrapped up in yes. in their in their processing. But um, so the window of tolerance is a lovely way to to check in with with how this um, your nervous system shows up. But you know, through the day, our body goes through parasympathetic, sympathetic. It's you know an up and down process. Whatever we're experiencing, it's mm -hmm. you know it, it's either helping us slow down or it's you know lifting us up. You know, um, depending on how how an individual's experience life. Whatever has happened, whether there's big T traumas, small T traumas, or um, you know high stress issues, um, we each have what we call what Daniel Siegel calls a window of tolerance, which is a uh, consider it a, a square or a rectangle. Um, and as we're moving through the day, going through this parasympathetic and sympathetic space, if you've had a lot of um, of unsettled um, traumas, then there's there's a chance that your window of tolerance is much smaller. So we're thinking about it from an arousal perspective, right? Your, your, your hyper arousal, if you're going into perhaps a more anxious space, um, takes you out of this window of tolerance. And that, that window is, um, is what, is what uh, it's a container, right? That makes us feel um, in homeostasis or in you know aligned with with what our needs are um, and recognizing what are those things that take us out and those that take us you know above hyper or hypo arousal um, so when it comes to when it comes to mental health you know just accepting the circumstances right like i recognize that historically when i am out in public and it's loud I'm, I'm jump right up to the top of my window and I know what happens. My heart starts racing. My, I start grinding my teeth. I start looking around, right? Just knowing what those responses are based on the experiencing that you're going or, you know, perhaps on the hypo arousal. You know, I, I, you know, I, I need to, you know, remove myself from a situation. I, I isolate a little bit more. I, I have feelings of sadness, right? Um, mm -hmm. This stress recovery that can happen from having this awareness um, can come from, again, from nature-informed therapy and also just this um, self-advocacy of uh, having the language to be able to say and to witness through mindfulness, this is what's happening to me. Right, and yeah. and I think that's really important as far as preventative medicine um, is recognizing that that even having this awareness can help reduce blood pressure, stress hormones, um, can can boost endorphins, right? 
And all of that has been researched with, with nature-informed therapy is that, you know, that supports us getting to know ourselves, a.k.a. our mental health. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, why do you think it's important for nature-based therapies to be part of treatment? I think a follow-up to that would also be how, how common is this, uh, uh, you know, to have the availability of nature-based therapies? I feel like this is not something that's that offered in every say therapy practice or every even i think the last one or two years i've kind of learned about it but mm-hmm. before that i didn't even think it was absolutely an option you know? well i i um i love that this is happening right so the center for nature informed therapy has been created and nice. i'm actually a certified nature informed therapist and there's Great. a program that is um just like trauma informed therapy there mm-hmm. was a there was a large push in the therapy in the mental health field okay. for everyone to become trauma informed right right as I believe wholeheartedly and not just mental health, but I believe it should be in yoga as well mm-hmm. and and other um, and other supportive um, facilitator spaces. Um, but there's this the, the Center for Nature Informed Therapy is uh, is hoping that all therapists will become nature informed therapy because it's so accessible and yeah. it's so part of our need and system innately, right? I mean, there's Biophilia is a is this book that has existed I think uh, late '60s right, um, and of course his name is gonna this is not my forte I think I probably wrote it down somewhere but I I can send the resource of the name but the this knowledge has existed and so now through the Center um, of Nature Informed Therapy they have created a program that helps therapists. Um, it's a three-day, uh, full intensive program, and then there's a mentorship program afterwards, and it's a community of facilitators that, that create groups, um, and they have a private practice in, in Towson, and, um, and, and, you know, we're just, we're just hoping that, uh, that more therapists just turn to towards it, right? That, that's so great. Where is the center located? It's, it's in Towson. Really Towson. close. It's super, super close. close. I know. Yeah. I know. This is local. This yes, is local. Yes, this is for, this for those is of you listening to DMV. Absolutely, and yes. and hopefully we'll put some resources up later for you to to be able to access it because um, they have a lot of information there too about um, programs to do um, that can that can aid not only clinicians but also individuals looking for. Yes, I, I was going to ask you about the the training program. Is that three day program in person? Is it is it online or it's in person? In person, yeah, yeah. makes it's sense. Yeah, makes right. sense. <laughs> yeah. Hard to do uh, everything on Zoom, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially I mean, we're doing this in person. Luckily, right now it's in person. Yeah. it's you know I know that we we got to ask those questions now. Um, the the support is there's a lot of um, online support too. I um, they do clinician development uh, afterwards. Um, yeah. I actually did a, a training on um, psychodrama. <laughs> so I, I've been part of a psychodrama cohort for the last 10 years as well. And I use, um, I, I combined, I created this element and psychodrama <laughs> nature informed therapy uh, okay. approach. Nice. And so I, I did a little, I mean, it was like a, a I think a, a 90 minute or a two hour uh, uh, I, um, my goodness, PowerPoint is the word I was looking for. And, um, and yeah, just, you know, I, th- I think I kind of want to do this plug, right? Like we're clinicians. We, we also have so much authenticity of how we show up for our clients. And what Nature Informed Therapy, for me, that's what it's done. And the group of clinicians that I met is it's like, we've already been doing, like, we've been out hiking with our kids, with our grandparents, with our friends, and we feel so good. And now I can do what I love where I love, right? So talk about, you know, reinforcing us as, you know, as helpers, doing what we love, and we benefit from it too. So, I mean, it's, you know, like, let's let's do what we love where we love and continue um, supporting people. And <laughs> is this for all mental health professionals or is it for other clinicians as well? Or it's, it's for mental health professionals. I'm, I want to say that I'm it's that uncertainty, but for some reason I have a, I'm pretty sure it's just for mental health, mental health professionals. professionals. Yes. Well, this is so great to, to learn about this center right in Towson, which is super local to us here. 
And uh, yeah, I'd love to learn more about that. Are there any nature-based practices that you recommend people use at home at self-care? Let's say they're not seeing a therapist right now. They're looking for kind of ways to source their own resources, which include obviously nature. Any kind of self-care practices you recommend based on nature, but just in general as well? Absolutely. So an easy space to go is to the senses. Yeah. So finding a place, whether it's outside, you're in your neighborhood, I'd, I'd say first find what's near you before going out and finding, you know, a, a trail. Um, take a moment, walk outside your house, and notice what your neighborhood trees look like. <laughs> yes. So they're your neighbors also. <laughs> yeah. Right? Didn't think of it that way. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so I, that's that's my number one, right? Like, be where you are. Yeah. And, and um, you know, again, from a preventative and accessibility space. Um, and then, you know, wherever you choose to go, um, walk in. And something I love to do is I, I'll ask my clients to just go and gather, walk around, and just gather three things and bring it back. That's it. That's my <laughs> that's my exercise, and uh, and this is great. Also, side note for parents with kids, because it feels like a treasure hunt. So I, say, I, I call it, it a treasure, treasure hunt, hunt. Yes. for the kids. Yes. I use different <laughs> language. Um, sometimes I use it with adults too. And let, let's have a treasure hunt, and bring me three things that 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 uh, ignite. So in Spanish we say chispa, chispa? a chispa, okay. like a um, that ignite a a a little. Um, Spark? Spark of in curiosity or okay. interest. Do they have to be natural objects or could they be? Preferably. preferably I mean, if, right, if they right. find litter, you know, talk about uh, honoring yeah, mother yeah. With, <laughs> with with picking up trash. Up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's something I, I was going to mention on the back end. But yes, when we're out there, that's something else we can have our eyes open to. How can how can I help someone who's helping me? Mm, right. Yes. And that's the way we can help mother. Yes. How we can help mother nature yes. is see trash pick it up, throw it away. <laughs> All right. So three objects. Right? So three, three objects, bring yes. it, bring it to a space and sit with them. Right. And identify three places in your life that need some attention and name each of the objects that, um, what I've noticed is really, it, there's just, just been this really beautiful, um, I mean, in a way, some you know, there's this transferring of this emotional, um, internal space. So in, in psychodrama, we say concretizing. It's a way to concretize the emotional environment. Okay. And then um, you can either begin at mandala. So this is part two. Mm -hmm. You can just stop at, at collecting these three things, sitting with, with those three emotional spaces that need tending to, either placing intentions with each of the three, um, and if you want to expand and you have time, place them in the center and begin to create a mandala with natural resources, okay, nice. right? Sticks, yeah. stones, wherever you are, yeah. whatever you, I mean, all of the, all of the, you know, let's not like rip, <laughs> <laughs> rip all the roses off our neighbor's yard or anything yes, like that sure. for our mandala, but whatever is there and start to create a mandala and a mandala represents, you know, holding creating container and holding space for whatever you're processing so it's a mindfulness activity that really honors um being in the moment and creating creation is huge so from curiosity to creation so much so much emotion um can be processed so many so many places of um of unknown like there's, I don't know about you, but sometimes you're just sitting there. You're like, I don't know what's happening right now in my body, but I feel a little sad or I feel a little right overwhelmed, yeah. and we can get lost in the needing to define it so much that right. we we actually don't honor the process of yes. being okay with feeling that, and then insight arises. And I and I feel like through creation, insight is like just right around the corner. Yes. <laughs> So it sounds like holding space for the mystery mm. that when you create a mandala, let's say, or you're observing emotions or thoughts or feelings, there's some mystery around that and then some insight will arise at, at some point whenever it's ready to arise. Absolutely. So yeah. it, it can be a mystery mandala and it also can be an intentional mandala. Like okay. I'm creating this, I'm, I'm grieving the loss of 
you know, this individual or pet or mm-hmm. yes. or, or yes. loss of job or role because yeah. we can grieve roles too. Yeah. And I want to create a mandala that represents, we're, we're creating rituals also. In ritual creating, um, we, we place significance and intention in what's happening. And then through that process, we... Um, we honor ourselves like oh this is for real like this is actually happening this isn't just an internal you know um energetic that's that might unground me or you know that i feel like nobody else feels right then we bring in self-kindness and then we bring in i mean there's beautiful work in um with around self-kindness right now self-compassion definitely um, needed more for sure yes absolutely and um and sit with it and sit you know that that is a mindfulness practice that is a mindfulness meditation practice right there That's and i'd right. like to like just say that because yeah, some people think that you true. have to sit hmm. eyes closed don't think you know right. some people get scared of yeah, <laughs> meditation absolutely they think probably is the biggest barrier actually mm-hmm. to starting meditation practice yeah is the misconception of what what it is or what it could entail yeah. Yeah. absolutely but it sounds like it can be an awareness based on, you know, nature-based therapy. You're creating mandalas based on natural objects, mm-hmm. and then you're transferring or concretizing that mm-hmm. to those objects and being mindful, right? Seeing and what, just, seeing what's there. Yeah, sit with the process. Yeah, it doesn't. It also doesn't have to be like prescribed. Yeah, you know, this is. I think just naturally being like, you know, you were talking about how you're a water person and yes. I'm an earth person. Yes. Naturally being like more of an earth element. I like to hold space for what is going to arrive. Mm. I've always been like that. Maybe not the best when writing papers, you know, (laughs) (laughs) through my master's program, you know. Like, the paper will write itself. No, (laughs) no. (laughs) That's why I would be up till 4 (laughs) a.m. the day before. But honoring your nature. Like, I know I'm that way, right? Yes. And so I... I'm okay with it. Like yeah. instead of bringing, you know, we, the the shame aspects or the language around like, criti- you know, self criticism and that kind of stuff. The more that we honor the process and the more we honor who we are, the more you know, magic can happen. Exactly. <laughs> the more intentionality and can happen. And I wonder if if nature and, and being out in nature and doing nature based therapies can also teach us who we are too. Mm. Like you were saying, you know, I'm more water, you're more earth or something. Sure. But going out in nature, does that teach us something about ourselves? Absolutely. So this concept of, um, of elements. So I have this, um, this part, of, part of the ease uh, model is I have this element uh, theory of, you know, I mean, this concept of being water, earth, you know, um, air or fire, or if we're looking at, you know, wood, depending on, on what theoretical, uh, what um, model, yeah. model that yeah. we're looking at, um, does teach us because there's, there is, um, there's a spectrum. So I've created the spectrum. So for water, it's like uh, when, perhaps when you're, you're not in balance with your water, you can be just like a tiny little drip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then on the spectrum, it can go all the way to a tsunami or, yeah. you know, a torrential downpour and and uh, really using those as representations of emotional spaces. And if you move along that spectrum, what does it look like when you're grieving? How does your water show up when you're grieving, mm-hmm. right? How does your fire show up? Does your volcano, like when you're angry, is, you know, can you begin to feel that like bubbling within you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, name it. You have that visual, right? Ah, and breath. Here we go again. Nice deep breath to allow you to bring that awareness to that space, right? And then, you know, with fire, it's really cool, actually, because, you know, the different... Uh, so I'm also uh, a yoga teacher, so the, the pranayama of breathing, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's more subtle breathing that allows us to go more into into these spaces of uh, yin or, or the more, you know, the, the more yang breath that will um, facilitate that, that movement and how can we use breath to soften into that fire? Not, yes. not like true. exhale and make that bigger fire. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much for that. So a lot of these practices are things that people can do at home. They're free. They're available mm-hmm. to them at all times. Yes, please. Um, what resources can you recommend for <laughs> our listeners here to learn more about 
nature-based therapies. I think we'll start with with that. You mentioned the center. Is, are there resources there for the public as well? Absolutely. Or? So their website, it, the, the, it's called the Center for Integrative, excuse me, the Center for Nature-Informed Therapy. Okay. Um, and they have a really beautiful website. Um, they're, they're connected to a, a practice in Baltimore, um, and all of those links are there. Um, that would probably be one of the the first places um, they also have uh, access to certified nature-informed therapists, so they have a directory, okay. um, books, research. So all of the research that I reference is um, is basically in in their in their research spaces. But more than happy to provide that as well. Uh, yeah, I have a general general yeah. sort of systems question: Is sure. there any you know um, push towards trying to link up with say? I don't know, some of the more traditional therapy associations or, you know, kind of create these partnerships or links? Yeah, so creating partnerships is a is a big part of their mission. Yeah. So they actually have um, relationships with different parks in the area. Oh, I oh, actually great. am creating some in this area yeah. right now um, with um, hopefully Brookside Garden. Oh, like Brookside, there's yeah, lots of place. beautiful yeah. places. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm in talks with a couple of other locations. Yeah. Um, so that the so it can be a program um, that can be accessible um, to people, and it doesn't have to just be one on one, you know, therapy or an ad- in addition to your therapy, um, but it can be you know again something that you learn as a practice um, with with the the container of the information. So this is a little bit of a, a interesting question, but um, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Nature based therapy. Um, is it does it work just as well in say the middle of Manhattan or you know Central Park versus you know Brookside which you can find pretty quiet spaces at Brookside sure you know sure yeah I mean but because think about it if you're living in New York City then you're used to that energetic already mm, yeah, right yeah and we know that you know Central Park is there it, it's a resource it's an absolute resource yeah um, those trees are different trees. They're different neighbors. They're they're city trees. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. So you're gonna get like a different energetic from the tree, but the tree still has its its intention is still to provide us with oxygen, right? With with sh- with shade, you know. Um, I think it's again in honoring the authenticity of each being. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. If you're in the city, um, you know, there's more. I don't. I mean. I hope that every city has urban gardening, but the more and more I hear about it, the the more you know I I recognize the importance of that. I actually my my sister in law, um, she has a an organization that um, that works in the Philippines. It's based in the Philippines okay. and does urban gardening there. Oh, nice! And one of the aspects of the work she was doing was that was uh, finding spaces that were riddled with litter. Okay. Cleaning it up and creating community gardens for people to create community, <laughs> but also to learn about nutrition, right? That's great. So if your if your area doesn't have it and it needs it more, then like this is where we have the change makers. Like then then you know he, you know hear hear what you need, find what you need, and and see if you can create a space. Um, yeah. We'll have to talk more offline. We do have some of our team actually in the Philippines. So excellent. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and and in closing, um, thank you so much, Tanya, for coming on today. This has been so beautiful, and yes. this conversation is really important, especially now we're in the third year of the pandemic here, and we are looking to turn inward into you know how can we change and transform our health and wellness. And I think this is a good opportunity for people to really see that they have the power within themselves mm. to you know, uh, create more ease in their life to uh, <laughs> use a pun on your model Thank you. um, to up-level your ease, their ease. What is, one, what is one thing, say, that's very practical, that's under $20, this is our under $20 question, yeah, sure. that you feel has transformed your own health? A gua sha stone. Okay. Oh, my gosh. So I, I mean, you probably felt it in, when I was talking about myofascial, but these are little... For, for those who are listening and can't see it, but it's a beautiful little stone. They're called, some people call them jade scrapers. I was going to say it looks like jade. It, yes. Yeah, they're typically made out of jade. Yeah. Um, they have a little area for trigger point work. Okay. But um, 
It is. It was first recorded actually during Ming Dynasty, for being for being used for um, for pain relief. Yeah. And tell you what, I lost this, and I was like, I, I could feel my system like looking like, where is our <laughs> where gua sha? So gua sha, G U A S H A, um, and it means rub heat, and it creates. It's a it's a tool that we can use again for self care. You know, like I, you use it, um, you can you can use it on your forearm. It's I used it a lot for um, carpal tunnel for people who have um, any type of computer desk um, jobs that are creating any tingling or tightness. Um, I always recommend it for my clients as a tool for for self help. Yeah. Great. So it's it's very accessible, and it's obviously used professionally in massage therapy and East Asian medicine. But other people can use it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of YouTube videos you can yeah. check out. But even if you hold it in your hand, I mean, just trust your body. You know, you're not going to dig it into your carotid artery. Please don't put it in the front of your neck. <laughs> okay. So that's the one yeah. place you shouldn't I, I, put it. I would say, you know, yeah. and if you have sunburn, you shouldn't mm-hmm. use it on your sunburn. And don't put the pointy um, point on the, <laughs> like, put the, put the, the You can the if you're using parts. a little trigger point work okay, on, okay. on some acupressure you know points. Going. And, you know, yeah. yeah, if you have, you know, it's great for, it's great for um, muscular help. But if you do have, you know, any type of blood disorder if you're an anticoagulant mm-hmm. yes that is Leading another disorders, yeah right. okay. that is another um contraindicator but okay. those are two two big ones but for thoracic outlet syndrome or tension headaches in the back of the neck it's it's a it's a wonderful tool um and also just again presence having you know holding it in your hand and and it's soft and it, yeah you know yeah. you can get the sensory um i think it has kind of a yin quality to it would you say yeah. at least from when i hold them they seem very like balancing to me because if i'm running more young you know if i'm running a little i mean i think the essence of it creating heat is interesting yeah so i think it kind of unifies yeah that's true that right because the the idea is that it's in in reducing the tension we're opening up uh, blood flow Ah. and we're trying to remove stagnancy so from a chi perspective that's that's how we we would use the language around that that makes total sense uh well, Tanya, thanks so much for coming on today. This has been so wonderful. How can listeners learn more about you and, and work with you? Absolutely. So I have my website. It's um, myintegrativewellness. I know it's very long, dot .com. Um, I also have an Instagram. I have two Instagrams. Okay. I have my photography. I'm a photographer and and I paint and I'm an artist on, on wow. my, my side gig. Got a lot of hats there. Well, I it's mean, it's all nature inspired. It is. Okay. So okay. I just uh, owed to Gaia over here, yeah, right? That's like right. she that's right. she just moves through me, and I just love that's I awesome. love being able to share. But my my photography um, and I I use themes with my my trees, and it's called my time with trees. <laughs> my time, like not my the time. herb time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, my T I M E. That would be cute too. <laughs> yes. if I was an herbologist, <laughs> my time with trees and then my my business website is tanya m lanning so t-a-n-i-a m as in mary l-a-n-n-i-n-g and yeah i like to a lot of places to check out tanya and her work uh thank you so much thank you it was a pleasure you too yeah take care thank you for taking the time to listen to us today if you enjoyed this conversation please take a moment to leave us a review it helps our podcast to reach more listeners Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.